Or are you listening to this podcast now? Settle in, grab a cuppa, it's all welcome. It's the Velasco Fitness Collective Podcast with James and Ellie. Morning guys, welcome to the next edition of the Velasco Fitness Collective Podcast. We are joined again by Vicky, our resident nutritional therapist and coach at the gym. James is also with us this morning. Um, we are looking at the topic of detoxing. Is it real? Is it not? If it is, what is it? And how do we deal with it? So uh, we've met Vicky before. Um, you, James is familiar to all of us, um, as am I, hopefully. So we're going to get straight into a QA, and um, get ourselves warmed up, and then we are going to get into the podcast. So, Vicky, are you ready for your warm-up? Yeek. Yes, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> What is your favourite nutritional goal to work with? Oh gosh, that's such a hard one. Um, I really like working with athletes, actually. So um, I regularly have athletes coming to me with specific goals in mind and they want me to help them get to that Um, because then I can work with the whole person. Um, But the um, satisfaction of seeing them reach their, their goals, but also... It, without them knowing, um, creates the long-term habits, long-term health. I have people coming back to me like five years on saying, oh my gosh, Vicky, I'm still eating overnight oats. I think of you every morning when I have them. <laughs> um, and I've knocked this much time off uh, this goal this, uh, this season. Uh, and yeah, I really love that. Nice. That's cool. Um, I, I'm really enjoying this theme of questions. So you're going to get the nutrition version of it. What is your biggest nutrition-based eye roll or like your favourite nutrition myth that you hear all the time that you makes you makes you laugh? Oh uh, probably something we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> um, is It's probably just like some, there's some crazy fad diets out there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, things like, I don't know, I've been living off, you know, this January, I'm going to have carrots only for the first week. And it's just like, (laughs) I have seen that happen. I've seen that happen. (laughs) Okay. Do you prefer to eat in or eat out? Oh, that's such a hard question. Um, I love eating in. I love cooking, but I also really love going to a very nice (laughs) restaurant. If you were going to, if I could have sort of like a seven course tasting menu from a Michelin star, uh, I'd be there all the way. That'd be like hands up. Um, but I think also having worked as a chef, um, especially when you're chefing a lot, all you want is just simple, clean food. So if you're gonna give me a Michelin star, yes, I'm there all the way. Other than that, yeah, give me some really simple, clean food and I'm happy to eat it. Your go-to before bed snack. I do quite like a hot chocolate. <laughs> I'm traditionalist in that way. Nice. Chocolate milk. Um, <laughs> your favourite thing for a family meal? Oh, fajitas. I love. Yes. We uh, this this could go down a rabbit hole. So, um, <laughs> when I was when I was pregnant with Ez, um. I couldn't sleep. She'd kick me at like four o'clock in the morning. And one of the ways I found myself falling asleep was to um, come up with meals, which were like alliteration. 
so we we've got like every day of the week as a as a meal um but friday is now fajita friday um and so yeah most often in our household that's what it is and we just yeah love that meal what was wednesday um wagamama wednesday uh, <laughs> so that was like noodles there's a place in bath that does wings wednesday which oh, is that's a good one can eat chicken wings which is great <laughs> it got yeah it gets straight. mexican monday is easy <clears throat> nice um, things like that <laughs> taco tuesday um your go-to pre-training snack or nutrition um it depends when I'm training. Uh, I am a morning person all the way. Not really, really early, but yeah, sort of, you know, a good eight o'clock. Um, so I often have something really simple. So I'm a big um, fan of just uh, having some simple carbohydrate and some simple protein. So even something as easy as a rice cake with almond butter on it, um, which gives me enough to just go with the flow uh, and then fueling throughout as well. Nice. Okay, um, along that same theme then, your favourite go-to post-training snack? Um, an awesome smoothie. Which um, What in it? Um, probably uh, a, a really nice V, I say really nice, but Ellie, we have uh, <laughs> different thoughts on our protein powders. Um, but and probably, a, well, definitely a vegan protein blend. I'm currently using a pretty cool one which uh, supports collagen growth as well. Um, banana, definitely some greens. And then I'm well known for being a bit of a sludge shake monkey is what I'll call it. Uh, so adding, yeah, spinach in, flaxseed in, uh, but then some like greens. So things like chlorella and spirulina. Um, they actually give me a real like energy boost. Um, and then if I've got any like added little cheeky superfood hacks, I'll often add those in. So maca, um, which is a, a root which can support hormone balance. It also gives it a really nice multi flavour. Yeah. Love a good smoothie. Oh, thanks, Vicky. Uh, okay, suitably warm. Yeah, I am. Yep. Cool. So today we are talking about detoxing, which Vicky. <laughs> Um, Vicky touched on in the, in the warm-up. Um, we want to look at whether it's real, if it's real, which bits are, which bits are myth, um, and ultimately what is going to be most beneficial to all of you guys listening in terms of what you can do about detoxing. So Vicky, let's start with a really obvious question. Is detoxing fact or fiction? Uh, it is fact um, so detoxing is a thing it's been happening for centuries um, but I think the main thing to say is our body has the ability the incredible ability to detoxify um, essentially harmful substances um, whether they are made from within us or come from external factors um, but too often we don't give it um, the support needed to help that happen naturally so an extra boost uh, can really help cool okay so we know that it's fact let's having having spoken to vicky about this topic um at some length before the podcast and historically 
Um, we know it's an absolutely enormous topic, um, very sciencey, fairly complicated, um, but we want to try and make this as simple as possible. Um, so Vicky, what, what is a toxin? Where does it come from? And how does it end up being inside the body? Because I'm pretty sure no one is going to purposely ingest or absorb toxins. So what, where, where do they come from? And how do we know if we're ingesting or absorbing toxins or not? Um, so toxins, they're essentially like harmful substances um, or substances with it within which come into the body or are already in the body, which need to be essentially neutralized. So made so they're not going to create any harm and then removed um, to avoid any so essentially detriment to the body. Um, but I think it's really important to realize that there's a, there are a lot of ex, external toxins but our body also creates its a lot of its own internal toxins and both of those need to be removed so we need to provide our body with the ability or we need to support our body's ability to remove those toxins whether they are coming from yeah external factors or internal factors uh, where do they come from um well from an environmental point of view unfortunately there's about 75,000 chemicals or something that have been created in the last 50 years so we are living and breathing them all the time and um, so be that from pollution from um, fumes uh, or air pollutants um, or from pesticides I think one of the things that really shocked me uh, having studied this in a lot of depth was actually you're no safer being in the countryside than in the city because of pesticides are so overused in farming now uh, and they are as as harmful but we also get them from just our day-to-day -day living so um, all the chemicals like household cleaning pro products um, are, are rife in, in, in chemicals which can create that buildup within our bodies. Um, from, from the water we drink, there's a lot of added chemicals in water we drink in order to um, take out, to, to purify it in adverted commas. Um, even things like when we shower, what are we showering with? You know, especially as people who train a lot, it's not uncommon to have two, three showers a day. And every time you do that, you're, if you're not, kind of being a little bit savvy about the products you're using, uh, you can be absorbing um, harmful chemicals every time you do that. Um, so the list kind of goes on and uh, it's, it's just almost a result of our Western lifestyle. It's, it's unavoidable. Um, and so being able to support that or reduce that um, as much as possible is really important. Thank you. Okay. Um, so we know that we know that toxins exist. We know that detoxing is a thing. Um, where where would you where do we start? So where would you start with looking at how does somebody know if they need to detox? So we see a lot of stuff in in particular this time of year of detox in January and and you know get healthy for the rest of the year. And is it is it is it a one-off? Is it something that you can just detox in January and then 
not worry about it for the rest of the year? Is it something that we should do all the time? Is it something we should do intermittently? What's the, where do people start? Because there's so much information out there. So I'm not a very, I'm, I'm not a big fan of um, detoxing in January. I understand why people want to do that because it's, it's that idea of having a clean slate, uh, of having New Year's resolutions, of being healthier. But I think going from, especially going from Christmas and New Year, where you're massively, you know, most people were overindulging a little bit to them being like cut. When you think of detox in January, you often think of like cutting out absolutely everything and just having like the most clean diet possible, uh, or less than that, even sort of going into a bit more starvation mode. And that actually shocks your body quite a lot. So from that point of view, I don't think January, especially like the first week of January is the time to try and do um, a, a, a big detox. Um, I think it is it is a good thing. Um, and I certainly would be backed uh, by other therapists and, and nutritionists out there saying this, um, to have times in the year to give your body a, a super boost or to yeah help its own um detoxification and to just give it a bit of a break but i think the, t the time to do that is during the change of seasons and this is this might sound a little bit like ooh, airy, <laughs> sort of airy fairy but actually our body is going through a lot of natural changes anyway when the seasons are changing um, so obviously you know in spring your body's going from winter to summer uh, and the other way around with autumn to winter so it's a really good time to almost support those changes uh, and so that's the time um to yeah go on a bit of yeah to go on if, if you can call it a detox or just to um almost have your own little kind of retreat i think is the best way to do it nice vicky coming coming at this from a bit of a an educational standpoint because it's not something that I know a lot about how what's the best way to kind of analyze where you might be as an individual in terms of like it, it sounds like pretty much wherever you live and whoever you are in in some way shape or form detoxifying is probably a good thing is there a way to kind of assess your current situation and and get a bit of a better understanding of how needed that might be? Does that differ for, for people in terms of age, sex, location? You know, is, is there kind of an analysis you can do on your lifestyle to, to identify how in need of a detox you might be? Um, I'm, sh I'm sure there are actually like proper <laughs> tools out there that you can use to analyze these. Um, I definitely would recommend going to a nutritional therapist first and foremost, because we can do that sort of overall, um, like kind of bigger picture. And like I said, to, well, as Ellie and I've discussed, it is such a big topic, but I think um, if you want to do it personally, the first thing is, is to really think about um, just your life as a whole. Like we haven't, we haven't touched really on, you know, our natural detoxification and essentially that is, is it's a very complex metabolic process um, and you know detox, detoxification is really you know that the last you know process within so many other processes so the work the, the first thing to do I think if, if you are looking or you think mm, do I need to detoxify is to look at your body and your lifestyle as a whole so you know 
where do I live? You know, is it in a really urban area with a lot of fumes or am I living next to a farm? Um, what's my lifestyle like? Am I, um, am I someone who doesn't move at all or am I someone who uh, exercises really intensively? You know, both of those factors can provide a need um, to support um, our detoxification. Um, you know, what, what's my family history like as well? You know, um, that's also a big indicator of whether, you know, we might be more prone um, to, to needing to, to, you know, support our body that little bit more. Um, what's my, what are my stress levels like? You know, are, um, in this Western world, we very much, we almost thrive off being stressed. And instead of, you know, really, you know, trying to relax we tend to layer with more stress factors so um we're stressed so what we do is drink a lot of coffee which although that might make us feel good and alive it actually from a sign or from a bodily point of view it is actually just adding more stress and it's creating um it, the need for our, our body to thrive off of adrenaline adrenaline um is actually a toxin uh, and needs to be, you know, it needs to be used, uh, which is really helpful. But then that needs to, once that's doesn't need needed isn't needed anymore. That then needs to be removed. So if we're really stressed, we're just building up those end products that also need to be removed. What's your diet like? If you're you know you're someone who likes, you know, a cheeky takeaway. Um, you know you don't drink any water instead you spend your life drinking fizzy drinks um or you have a lot of you know your diet's high in fat or you know you probably don't have as much much fruit and veg as you probably should that's a really good time to think actually i need to maybe give my body the tools it needs to help it to detoxify nice thanks so where where in the body like you, you obviously touched on the fact that your body naturally tries to detoxify you know for, for everybody and, and the, the process of detoxification is us supporting the body with that where where in the body what's going on in my body when it's naturally detoxifying so actually a, a lot of systems are involved in detoxification and actually th this is something that I'm still learning about actually because I it's really easy to think that the liver is just it's all about the liver and I think you know we think oh I'm going to do a liver detox um I'm going to stop drinking that's it done <laughs> um but actually um yes the liver uh does play a big part in detoxification a lot of blood travels through the liver which it can sort of filter um but our digestive system plays a huge part within that uh, as a therapist if um the two kind of play into each other so if i am if i am working with a client supporting the digestive system i'm always working on their liver at the same time but also um our respiratory tract so when we breathe you know we're inhaling a lot of um toxins um our heart our brain, our kidneys, but then also things that maybe we wouldn't think about, like um, our breasts, our prostate. Uh, obviously, our skin is also a huge plays a huge part in detoxification, and um, because it's that first line of defence is a big barrier. Nice, thanks. 
So, Vicky, I guess the looking at what what is going to be, you know, James has said he's coming at this from a position of not really knowing a huge amount. I mean, I in the, in in the grand scheme of things, know know very little. What where where do people start then? So we know we know that we can do a bit of a a bit of an evaluation on ourselves. We can look at what are we eating, how much are we moving. Do we spend a lot of time in the city and all that sort of stuff? Where do people, where do people start? So what, what are the things that people can start doing now? Let's say I did an evaluation and I was like, okay, so yeah, all right, I move a fair amount, so that's good, but I don't eat as much, I don't know, let's say fruit and vegetable as I should. And I'm conscious that um, I spend a lot of time working in the city. Where do where do I even start with starting to support my body's ability to detox without going on one of these? I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to detox in January. I'm going to cut everything. But you know, out to use your example, eat nothing but carrots and drink water for a month. Where what can I realistically? Do build into my life which is going to support my body's natural ability to detox without it being a massive overhaul which as you said at this time of year is not a great idea there are so many things we can do um, to make a big difference in a little way and I um I say probably my most used phrase is control the controllable um, so let's do that. Um, so starting with the food we eat. I'm, I'm a nutritional therapist. So it seems like a good, <laughs> a good place to start. Um, so first of all, give your body the nutrients and the tools it needs to help that detoxification. So let's, let's talk about this as if we're not going down the route of I'm going to do a big detox, but I'm going to help my body to um, detoxify naturally from a day-to-day -day point of view. So making sure you are having at least five portions of fruit and veg per day. And when you're having those, not having the same things, but having color, because by providing that color, you're providing your body with a spectrum of nutrients, a spectrum of antioxidants which are going to help to support that to help neutralize toxins help get rid of toxins um, but as soon as I say that the next thing that is really important to consider is actually um, the fruit and veg we eat can often be harmful to us anyway because of the pesticides that are sprayed on um, non-organic fruit and veg and you know, they can create a lot of harm. So trying um, to eat organic where possible. And I know organic fruit and veg can be really expensive. So I say where possible. Um, I would also recommend uh, everyone after this podcast to Google <laughs> the Clean 15 and the Dirty Dozen. Uh, they were essentially set up by uh, an Australian charity to show. And every year they bring out the list of um, the top 15 vegetables that use the least pesticides um, and the worst culprits uh, that use the most um, pesticides. So it tends to be one like soft fruit that grows outside of um, the earth that gets sprayed the most. Uh, so things like 
spinach is a really high culprit for being pesticide like leaves because they just absorb so much um, so if you can at least I would just say if you can at least go organic with those dirty dozen um, and then you're on to a bit of a winner. Ellie, you they, look like just on that you said that does that change every year or is that are there so where can people find what the this year's dirty dozen are and clean 15 because I think that's that's super helpful and useful because I mean I for instance I eat a lot of spinach I hadn't thought to buy organic until you said that oh, but that's I good uh, <laughs> um so it's um called the EWG um there so you, if you go to ewg.org uh and they um publish every year uh, the clean 15 uh, and the dirty dozen uh, list they also do a nice little printout that you can do and you put on your fridge i'm a big fan of a fridge printout so i can see right now that the top three things on the clean 15 are number one avocados avocados are really expensive so don't buy them organic because they're not really spray they've also got a nice skin on them so they're not going to absorb that many pesticides Sweet corn, again, it's got that nice sheath over it, so it probably protects, also protects it. But sweet corn is the second list on the list of, of clean um, veg, so not worth buying organic. Number three is pineapples. The list goes on. See, <laughs> um, so things like number, number 11 is broccoli. Um, I'm a big fan of broccoli, and we will go on in, onto this. But again, it's one of the products that I generally often buy organic but then there's not as much of a need if it isn't sprayed as much. Um, it doesn't, are there, what are the, can you see that? So look. Um, see what the dirty dozen is this year. <laughs> the dirty dozen, number one, strawberries. Number two, spinach. Number three, <laughs> kale. And then so they're the, these are the ones that we should think about potentially trying to buy organically rather than not. Yeah. And then, like I said about soft fruits, number four is nectarines, soft fruit. But then interestingly, number five is apples. You know, we probably get through quite a lot of apples in, in the UK. Number nine is pears. Celery is a big one because it's so full of water that really absorbs it. And this is interesting. Number 12 is potatoes. Like who, I don't think many of us really think, well, if I'm buying potatoes, I'm gonna buy them organically. Um, but they're in the top 12 um, fruit and veg that get heavily sprayed with, with pesticides. That's a, a big a time to think, you know, every time, you, every time we're eating chips from a takeaway, they're very unlikely to be organic. Vicky, is it fair to say, I mean, it might be obvious to, to say, but I'm, I'm guessing one of the larger contributing factors to um, becoming in need of a detox, let's say, is, is probably ingestion and the digestion of you know, it's the things you eat, I guess, that, that impact. I, I guess I guess it leans maybe a little bit more on your point of control or controllables. I guess that is something you can control which probably adds greater importance and focus than worrying about air pollution, for instance? I think, um, yes, food is something we can control, but the other side of that is it's not just about 
reducing the harmful products but it, it so you can use food as a tool to reduce the harm going into your body but you can also use it as a tool to support your body's ability to detoxify so um you know for example to to use the example of broccoli i was about to say i was going to talk about it um uh, like broccoli and cruciferous vegetables so those are any veg that form a cross like cauliflower kale um, they um, contain um, compounds that are really supportive of our body's um, ability and our, um, to detoxify. So within our liver, there's, there's actually three phases of detoxification. Um, the, the first actually um, makes the substances that go into our, or harmful substances that go into our body more toxic. The second phase then neutralizes those to toxic compounds. And then the third helps to eliminate. So if we can give our body the tools to really make sure we're, we're supporting all three phases, that's really important. And that's where something like yeah, broccoli and cruciferous vegetables really play a big part. Um, so I would definitely, definitely say get one of those in every day. Uh, and that's, that's like one thing straight away you can control. But the other side, and as we talk about you know food it's it's looking at reducing harmful food so we've mentioned about um about pesticides but i think food packaging also is a big thing that is is worth um discussing because again it, it can um easily be reduced so things like what am i especially if you're someone who lives out of a tupperware i think a lot of us do do that um and we see a lot of this like um you know it's bpa free um so without me trying to pronounce what bpa stands for um it's essentially a harmful chemical if it heats up uh, it makes it more toxic so um especially if you were to buy like just go to the shop buy a cheap bottle of I don't know, fizzy drink um, and then leave that in the sun that heat makes that chemical more toxic to us we it then goes into the drink you drink that and you're you're ingesting harmful chemicals which your body then has to remove so being as simple as drinking out of a glass bottle drinking out of a bpa free bottle um, and getting um, tupper or buying Tupperware uh, that is BPA free you'll see it branded everywhere um, that is a, a really quick hack um, to reduce your toxic load the other side of that is is things like tinned food um, and especially if you're someone who likes eat, is is a fan of fish um, especially things like tinned tuna um, like Personally, I avoid um, tinned tuna and I would recommend people buying, if they, if they are a fan of that, only eating it once a week, like realistically, and getting it from the best source possible. Because one, because tuna are big fish uh, that go in big oceans full of a lot of chemicals. They absorb all of those chemicals. They're then packaged in like tin and that absorbs even more heavy metals we then have to detoxify those metals and um, those metals are really um harmful to us and if you'll have it if you're someone who has a tuna sandwich every single day your body although you might not see any difference your body is building is building up those toxins over your whole lifetime like our, our what we call our toxic load so how we 
our, our build up of toxins, it doesn't just come in and go out straight away. It slowly builds up over our lifetime. Uh, and then it can be bigger events that can trigger uh, ill health. So we want to really support our body's detoxification throughout our entire life. Vicky, nice. uh, really on that, in terms of so food preparation, what we eat and all the rest of it, obviously you've talked about also being a chef, which is all and probably another topic for a podcast. And you did mention very early on in this about um, our, the amount of fat we consume. I recently decided to do a kind of DNA analysis and it comes back with all sorts of stuff around your ability to um, process caffeine, what your body's ability is like to detoxify and various other things. Fascinating report. Um, if anybody wants to know any more about it, then I would happily talk about it. Um, and in that, it came back and said, my body's own ability to detoxify is moderate. So I'm not the best at naturally detoxing, or so this report says. And one of the things that it mentions in it is about I should avoid the consumption of charcoal, like char-grilled meat more than once a week, which got me thinking, okay, well, we know that eating food in its raw state is super healthy. Are there and and there are we you know in the summer we often see things about saying don't eat too much barbecued meat it's bad for you um are there are there ways of preparing food which are better or worse for us in terms of making the most out of the nutritional um value already in them and do we um are there better and worse oils in which to use to cook with that's a big question I'm conscious of, but I guess it's opening up the, do we, um, yeah, what's the, what's the, let's start with these a bit, cooking methods, better methods, worse methods. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I, we, we can definitely have a topic more, a discussion more about this, Ellie, because um, I've already, I can already gain more insight into what you've just said. Um, that is another discussion. Uh, so yes, cooking methods. Um, so burnt food is not good for us. Uh, so what charring food does is it um, creates uh, a chemical, um, also has a very long um, word uh, name, which I'm not gonna go into. So let's call them PAHs because that's <laughs> the acronym for them. Uh, and that is um, a harmful product. Um, Interestingly enough, though, and I do need to go down a quick rabbit hole for this because this blew, didn't sort of blew my mind. Um, is it's not just present in burnt food; it's also present in crackers like Rivita. So where we, especially as marketing tools, like to tell us that Rivita are incredibly healthy for us, they are full of the same sort of chemicals that come from burnt food. Um, the other side of that is cooking carbohydrate um, at really high levels also creates similar chemicals um, that our body then needs to remove. So um, when cooking where possible, um, go low and slow is the phrase I'd like to say. So now is the time to invest in a slow cooker <laughs> if you haven't already done so. Um, I like where so, this is going. 
<laughs> you a fan of a slow cooker joint? I'm a massive fan of a slow cooker and some sort of big joint of meat is is yeah. I'm Absolutely. Ahead. So I think actually James like just hit the nail on the head there. Um, there is that is the best way by far to cook meat is yeah just really low and really slow because what that does it is it actually like starts to bring out the nutrients if you're then adding like loads of vegetables into like if you're talking about meat into like a meat stew for example all all of those things are starting to work together so we really only know just you know the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the nutrient status of veg and of meat but what we do know is that they can the nutrients within them can work together to support absorption so for example um with vitamin e um which you can get in carrots uh it is better um absorbed when it is eaten with fat so if you're having carrots and then you're slow cooking it with a nice joint of meat that is just gonna really help the other side of that and um, talking about that james is is it also starts to pull out collagen um are so collagen uh is really important uh, from a structural point of view to support um the structural uh, integrity of our skin uh, of our muscles of our joints uh, and our it's really hard for our body to make it. So if we can take it from um, foods, that's really helpful. So slow cooking food uh, is a really good way of doing that. So if we turn that around the other side, frying food at a really high heat is not very good for us. Um, you would be better off trying to um, roast foods at a lower heat for a longer amount of time. That's good news because roasting veg is one of my all-time favourite things to do in the winter. So I was literally going to be my next question saying, please don't tell me I can't continue to roast veg. So no, absolutely. You just try and go like more towards 150 degrees and cook them for longer than go for like 200 degrees. Um, I tell you know, when you do that anyway. <laughs> good. Um, it's a big topic you know we could probably spend an entire podcast just talking about the oils to cook with <laughs> because they themselves when they are cut different oils at different temperatures smoke so create harmful substances at a different temperature um so realistically when we're cooking we should use a different oil for the different temperatures we're using um, do you want to give your top three or your the safest or safer options i'm conscious as you said it's a big topic but there's going to be a number of oils that people have in their kitchen. So sunflower oil, I'm guessing, is an absolute no-no. Sunflower oil is really high in omega-6. Omega-6 is um, is a essential fatty acid that we need, but we have to, we probably absorb too much or we intake too much of it from food anyway, and it needs to be in balance with omega-3. So I'm not against sunflower oil, but we generally have too much of it in our, our life and it creates imbalance. That said, sunflower oil has is neutral tasting and has quite high smoke or a higher smoking point. So it is one you could use for roasting Ellie. Uh, amazingly, olive oil actually is quite a good um, oil, if I'm just thinking from the top of my head, for roasting at a lower temperature, um, which is surprising because you always think of olive oil as that's the one I shouldn't um, cook with. But with that in mind, just think about cold pressed so if it's if you buy something which is cold pressed don't think about cooking with it 
it's there it's got um, normally has so be that cold pressed rapeseed oil or cold pressed olive oil they already have that amazing flavor just use them for drizzling um and then things like so ground nut oil that has and you probably haven't heard of that but go into Sainsbury's and, <laughs> or or any other supermarket um and you'll likely see that that's got a higher smoke point. Sesame seed oil, again, sesame seed oil is really nice in a stir fry. Um, but with that in mind, stir frying is frying at higher temperatures. Sesame seeds are actually, again, one of those higher omega-6 oils. Um, so just be mindful that that's gonna create that sort of imbalance. Um, I'm a big fan of coconut oil, but it's smoke. I think a lot of people think I can fry with coconut oil um but actually a smoke point isn't as high as often media leads us to believe um so yeah go into your supermarket often a lot of them say this one's good for baking with this one isn't so things like rapeseed oil i'm a big fan of rapeseed oil it's high in omega-3 it's generally you know we can get we can produce it really locally so it's got less air miles on it and often you'll if you look at on the shelves, you'll have rapeseed oil for cooking with and rapeseed oil for drizzling. So you can actually use that interchangeably. Um, I've got a load of questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> first one is gonna back up a fair bit. We talked about um, whether or not we should detoxify as like a one-off and we're done. We talked about the relevance of doing that in support with seasonal changes where your body's adapting and, and changing anyway. How long should somebody detox for? Like you, you see online, you know, X day detox. Is, is there like a right amount of time? Is it like, a, are we talking a couple of days? Are we talking a month? What, what's, the, what's the recommended? I think it depends on the detox you're going to do. But that said, um, I think if you're looking to detox, you should consider taking 21 days out of your diary to um, sort of just dial down a little bit. So within that 21 days, your first week, I would say literally just sort of look at your the meetings in your calendar and use it as a time to actually just log off. So I think what and actually with my questions you said about eye rolls, maybe I should have said this. One of my biggest frustrations when people um, look into do detoxes is doing everything by the book but then just still living their same normal stressful lifestyle. And I think we don't, we don't um, sort of put enough stress to coin a phrase on how much stress affects us. Um, and I know that's so difficult to discuss now because we're in a pandemic, um, life isn't normal in inverse commas, but um, if we're going to detox, our body needs energy. Like, honestly, your body needs a lot of energy to metabolize. And if you're trying to do that and allow your body to have a really good clean out, um, having a load of like stress, your body running off adrenaline, um, or the other side of that is like being like, right, I'm gonna come off caffeine because I know it's not 
good for me, but then I'm still going to try and do everything um, is just going to like put you at detriment. So there's actually no point you doing that detox in, if you, you're just creating your like putting your body into um, a, a feeling of stress, because it, if your body is stressed, it will just hold on to everything. Okay. I think the other side of it is um, we, you know, we haven't discussed sort of the weight loss side of it, but you know, a, a, a natural byproduct often of detoxification um, is weight loss. But if you are someone out there who knows you need to lose weight uh, and you know perhaps your lifestyle uh, isn't the cleanest or hasn't been the cleanest, doing a massive like crash diet or um, losing a lot of weight in a very short amount of time uh, is not good for you. Like I stress that um, our fat tissues, our fat tissue is a tissue. It, it does a lot more than store energy. Uh, it has its own crazy network um, and it absorbs toxins like nobody's business. So if you are going to go on a big detox and you are going to lose a lot of weight quickly, your body is shifting a lot of toxins and that is just going to overload your body and it is unhealthy, like hospitalization unhealthy uh, a very good very dear friend of mine um recently did that and found herself in hospital um so yeah big message out there guys don't try and lose weight really quickly it is not the way forward mm. um to to maybe thank you for that Ricky. was really insightful and really enjoying learning as much as i am to jump forward a bit then when you talked about slow cooking meats did you say it removed the collagen so it's it takes to take um yeah kind of pulls it out so um especially if you're gonna get like a joint um always cook it with the bone um because it will literally like pull out all the goodness from the bone so the same with like if you cook a roast organic uh <laughs> at the weekend so for example like a chicken um i would don't just throw that carcass away there is so much goodness stored in that carcass take the meat off it uh have your meal on the sunday use up the remainders for the rest of the week but okay. pop that carcass into a slow cooker overnight at the lowest temperature and make your stock from it uh, the best stocks are the ones that have been cooking for ages and you know i've got chef friends out there who have basically a stock pot going year round and they're just chucking more and more stuff out and it just sucks out like all the goodness so when you say pulling out the collagen you're saying that that's a, it's pulling it out in a good way so it makes it accessible as opposed to getting rid of it yeah absolutely so right. that's the other side of it is i guess so if you were to have your chicken uh and then put it in the slow cooker your carcass you know leave all the trimmings on it that's all going to be good too the next day when you take it take it out so i would literally just pour so chicken carcass water any ad added veg that you didn't have from your roast because they're just going to help too then literally the next day pour it through um a sieve uh, and but what you're going to find is it's going to obviously have like quite it'll be watery but then that's also going to have like a kind of a layer of sludge on the top of it mm. um that sludge or it's like jelly that's your collagen uh, so you actually it would be worth incorporating that. So there's two ways you can, two things you can do with that. You can pull that 
jelly <laughs> off, freeze it. So literally put it in little ice cubes, mm. uh, ice cube tray, freeze that. And that's your stock cube that saves you from having to go to the supermarket and buying stock cubes. Mm. So then every time you make a soup or even in smoothies, we're not even going to go down the route of smoothies. I can, <laughs> I can talk for hours. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like just popping one of those in a smoothie that is giving you like so much goodness. Uh, and it's, it's like a byproduct of a meal. Um, then the more liquid um, at the bottom, that is also so good for you. And so if you're someone who trains a lot or someone who's just given birth to a baby, you know, that is a huge trauma. You've got a lot of scar tissue. You might have a lot of scar tissue and a lot of inflammation mm. um, and collagen and bone broths. And, you know, we hear bone broths in the me media quite a lot. Yeah. That is why. They are so good for you and you don't have to spend loads of money on them because it is so easy to make your own. Nice. Yeah. I, I had a, a, a personal interest in a, a, a recent discovery as to the relevance of collagen. I know you talked about it for skin and muscle. Um, I've recently found out that it's also rather important for um, the stability and functionality of tendons um, because Absolutely. the injury that I went through probably towards the back of November where I literally at one point like cried because I was in so much pain and like couldn't lift my arm having talked to Lucy and you know a, a colleague of Lucy's and a few other people I basically hammered my shoulder and, and my chest and specific tendons within that over a period of days depleted the collagen to the point where you know I didn't give my body enough time to read you know, regenerate or reproduce enough collagen to protect the tendon or to allow the tendon to function properly. And just over a very short period of time, hammered it into the ground to the point that it basically gave up. So that was why I was, I've become a little bit more interested in, in sources of collagen and, you know, things I can do dietary wise to, to help my body in that sense. Um, a couple of other things then, kind of just a real quick off the cuff question. We've talked about eating ideally you know organic when it comes to um vegetables and things like that that might be considered dirty as far as the ewg website goes and getting more greens and, and fruit and veg into our diet what's your view on super greens powders in that sense because obviously i know that i don't eat enough fruit and veg and one of the things i do to try and offset that is supplement with a super greens powder as well as trying to eat more fruit and veg um does that do the same thing? Does that help with my body's detoxification process? Absolutely. I am a big fan of a greens powder. Um, and I think what's beautiful about this for me, from my point of view, is I've, I've been working in this industry for a bit of time now. <laughs> and um, the products are just getting better and better, uh, which is amazing as, we as it becomes more relevant. So um, what I would say is a greens powder is not going to replace James vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> so try and get those in um but it definitely is useful to have on top um so yeah getting it into a smoothie so green powders can be quite specific so you're looking at things like alfalfa wheatgrass barley grass their kind of main roles are supporting like or sort of helping to alkalize our body so again you know we talked about a little bit about the western diet um and it's and i've sort of mentioned about sort of 
um, essential fatty acids, but it tends to be, our diet tends to be quite acidic. So having foods that can kind of create balance, um, new, you know, helping to find that, that the perfect um, place within our body is great. Um, and yeah, alfalfa, barley grass, wheat grass are really good for supporting like alkalinity. Then you've also got things like coriander and parsley. They're a great thing to have in a greens drink. Um, and uh, actually, let's just focus on those um, because they are so potent when it comes to detoxification. So they are really good at grabbing hold of harmful substances um, and allowing your body to excrete them. And you've got things like dandelion artichoke, which you'll often see in a greens powder. Uh, they are so supportive of our liver. Uh, and then my favourite two um, are chlorella and spirulina, um, just because spirulina is actually the highest source of protein um, out there per net weight. Um, so it's super high in protein, but it is so nutritious. Um, and it's also incredibly potent when it comes to detoxification. I mentioned heavy metals and then being prevalent in packaging, in tins uh, and in fish. Um, we haven't even got onto the subject of mercury fillings, uh, <laughs> um, but chlorella um, has the ability to bind onto heavy metals, uh, also present in our drinking water as well, mm -hmm. and like allow us to remove those as well. So yes, greens powder all the way um, but don't forget your vegetables because the other side of vegetables is that they have really important fiber in them uh, and we think of you know vegetables for nutrients but fiber is I'm not going to say as beneficial um, but it is just as in the overall spectrum fiber is just as important and um, because that also also it kind of fiber works as like a brush within our um digestive system um, and that kind of brushes especially with hormones it kind of brushes hormones um, and allows us to digest them um, so we we mentioned about our body creating its own uh, toxins or endotoxins um, and we being able to like yeah sweep those up and get rid of them is really important and fiber that is the crucial role one of one of the crucial roles of fiber nice that's super interesting. Thank you. Um, I've I've got loads of questions, so maybe we maybe we do a part two on this. Um, I don't know what you think, Al, but there's a um, there's yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's loads of loads of rabbit holes we could go down with this, as is often the case when we speak to Vicky because she's such a fountain yeah. of knowledge. Um, okay, with with that in mind, then. Um, as, as James has pointed out, loads and loads of learning today. I, talking from a personal perspective, I am definitely somebody that listens to a podcast like this and goes, oh my God, I want to change everything. I'm going to potentially... <laughs> I haven't known that now. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm so, and I'm conscious obviously that we can't change everything. And if you try and change everything all at once, you don't do anything properly and it doesn't last or you do the opposite and you go too hard at it. So we've talked predominantly about nutrition, which is fairly, um, it makes sense. And we did touch on cosmetic tips. So maybe Vicky, just like, almost even if you just list three things, what would be your top three nutritional detox tips that make life simple and easy for people? And what would be your top three 
let's say cosmetic and other, so potentially cleaning products, that sort of stuff like that, um, that people can, so that's six things. It's not a, whole, a massive overhaul, but it's three nutritional things, three lifestyle cosmetic things that we can change relatively easily to start supporting our bodies a little bit better. Okay, I'm trying to figure. Number one, <laughs> buy, a, buy a filter, a water filter. So drink filtered water. Um, it's such an easy switch. That was actually um, going to be one of my questions where you said earlier on about drinking um, water and, and the things that can be in water. So yeah. yeah, that is as simple as literally just getting a tabletop filter water. I'm using a Philips one, I think, at the moment. Um, but have a look on, on it. if It will say what it, it is designed to filter. The more, the merrier. But that said, um, just a good old Brita water filter is also useful. Um, number two... We talked about clean 15, dirty dozen. Start living by um, the clean 15, dirty dozen. So buy organic where they are sit within the dirty dozen. So strawberries and spinach being the first two on the list, buy them organically. But then when it comes to our dirty dozen, don't waste your money because you can get as good a product um, being non-organic. So that's number two. And number three, have one at least one portion of cruciferous vegetables every day so that is either broccoli kale cabbage cauliflower i think that's it <laughs> there might be some more <laughs> uh sprouts yeah they, those are cruciferous um every day because they are so supportive of our um particularly our liver, um, but our ability to um, naturally detoxify. Um, and if you want to super boost it, because I know James likes to super boost and doesn't like his veg, um, if you buy broccoli sprouts, so they're like the seeds of a broccoli that's just beginning to shoot, that's like broccoli on crack. Um, <laughs> so that's going to be even more potent. That's on three. So that's my three nutritional hacks. Nice. And my three cosmetic hacks be cosmetic conscientious uh, no so when you're buying um shower gel look at the packet look for something which says free from parabens free free from phthalates um free from um sodium laurel sulfate um because they are harmful and if you're like me and regularly shower more than once per day um, because that is what happens when you live an active lifestyle you want to start thinking about all those chemicals you're absorbing every time um, that was another one of my questions about body products as well so that's interesting 100 percent. the next one is and it's not so relevant right now um, because the sun doesn't shine as much as we like although it is shining right now um, when it comes to sunscreen so the active compound within a sunscreen is actually um, really detrimental to, um, to us. It's a, a, a strong, it's a harsh chemical. Um, so try and go for, it's actually really hard to find a really good sunscreen, but I personally would recommend um, sunscreen by the brand Green People um, because it contains less harmful 
products let's I, I would like to say no harmful products but I can't say that as a fact um so you are very much fighting a losing battle when it comes to sunscreen um because they have to put chemicals in it to be able to protect you from the sun obviously sunburn is bad for us but also those chemicals are too so yeah try and not spend too much time in the sun and buy a really good product. So Green People is definitely the brand um, to go for when it comes to sunscreen. Um, and then uh, deodorant, um, buy deodorant, which is aluminium free. Um, again, it is a metal and although there are studies out there to say that it's in such small quantities that it's not harmful, um, I, do not believe that. Um, so every time you put deodorant onto your skin, you're putting it, especially women and no women and men out there, it's just as important. You're putting it right close to breast tissue, um, which I've already said is is plays a role in within detoxification, but there are so many glands and immune glands um, uh, and tissue, which is so key to immunity um, within our, our breast tissue um, and then if you're putting heavy metals next to that uh, it's also a fatty tissue it's just going to absorb it all so try and get a deodorant that is go for a deodorant that is aluminium free and the beauty of all this thing all these things being a little bit more available to us now is that there are actually really nice products just in your everyday cosmetic shop and you don't have to go to um, a health food shop these days to get um, a good deodorant uh, that is free from harmful chemicals. Thank you Vicky that is um, it's been a steep learning curve this morning but incredibly useful. Yeah. Um, James anything that you wanted to no, actually, some of the questions I had yeah, in your top three, both nutrition and otherwise tips, you actually covered off. Um, but yeah, just thank you for sharing this morning. Thank you for being as informative as you are and explaining it in a way that I understand. I know that'll be appreciated. <laughs> it's a big, big topic. Um, yeah, it, it blows my mind every time I talk about it, every time I study it. <laughs> Definitely um, a new way of thinking as well. It's not really something I've given too much thought to before, but actually there's some pretty easy switches you can make by the sounds of it that will contribute massively. So. Yeah, massively. I used to work a lot with, I don't know if you've heard of him, Phil Richards. Uh, so he is like, he used to do a lot of the nutrition for rugby players up north at Worcester area. Um, but he does a lot of blood analysis and it's really interesting when you take someone who has got that like massive toxic load and an athlete at that and then just shove their blood under a microscope seeing what goes on um and that kind of just blew my mind and it just it's always just changed my perspective uh, on how we look at our health fantastic vicky thank you ever so much for your knowledge time um explanations this morning it's been it's been great we are going to leave it there um i think we have definitely opened the doors to a part two so guys if you've enjoyed this keep your ears peeled for um part two of detoxification um and yeah have a good day guys and we will see you again soon <laughs>